I'm Graham Mack and welcome to the Pod 20. And on this week's show, a bloke who was almost arrested for trying to paint Buckingham Palace. Find out about the man who tried to stop the atomic bomb being dropped on Hiroshima. And my special guests are Tom Wheatley and Brendan Duffy from James Bond A to Z. Let's find out about you guys. Starting with you, Tom. I've got a bit of a mixed bag. I'm a journalist at the moment. Um, I've been a journalist in the past. I'm a bit of a fitness journalist now, um, but I've always been a massive film fan, uh, as, as, as you can probably guess, a Bond fan as well. Um, I actually used to go to school with Tom Butler, um, who isn't here, uh, and we, well, we used to spend a lot of time in class talking about Bond and it wasn't until now that we eventually said I think lockdown started it where he said um, oh let's we've got a bit of time now why don't we do something with this obsession with Bond that we've got and um, the, the podcast was born wow and Brendan I'm a I'm actually a civil servant and an improviser as well so um, yeah does improvisation help in the civil service absolutely not <laughs> useless <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and I, I went to university with Tom Butler, and so that's how we met. And we studied film, yeah, film broadcast production, and then that's how I met Tom Wheatley because mm-hmm. obviously he's a friend of Tom. So, and I'd say yeah, before this, the last time we met is probably about a decade ago, like in in real life, in person. Yeah, yeah, right. So it was so really locked, just... lockdown spurred this on. You know, we've reacquainted ourselves with each other, and uh, yeah, not look back. Well, it's good to have you as my special guests this week on the Pod 20. And I want to find out about the A to Z part of James Bond, A to Z, a bit later. The Pod 20 is heard on podcast radio on DAB in London, the home counties, Manchester, Birmingham and Glasgow, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms and as a podcast itself. Into the chart now. And at number 20, Killer Roll from NBC News. This is the true story of the Hollywood actress Wynne Reed, who played a murderer in a horror film while she was out on bail for murder. At 19, Happy Place with Fern Cotton. Fern talks to incredible people about life, love, loss and everything in between. 18, Off Menu with Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Ed and James invite special guests into their magical restaurant to choose their favourite starter, main course, side dish, dessert and drink. Their latest guest is Rafe Spall, the star of Hot Fuzz, Jurassic World, The Shadow Line and Apple TV's Trying. Number 17, Naked Gaming from the husband and wife team of Chris Barrow and Lee Milner. What can we look forward to from your podcast? Uh, tell you what, um, you met kind of the marriage of video and, and radio and stuff like that. We've just started doing a few more uh, video versions of the podcast. Yes. Um, just because it's, it's not like talking to you now. It's nice to see you as well as to, to hear you. And, uh, and I love your studio You've setup. You've got a good well, setup, I like the, 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 That's some soundproofing going on right there. This, but but this is actually my wardrobe. <laughs> I've, I've just cool, I've just ordered today actually I've just ordered today a proper sound booth from oh, nice. from oh, they're called oh, they're called oh. Cube they're actually in Yorkshire they're in uh, yeah, yeah yeah they're in Ripon and they they're called Cube with a K and they make proper 
sound. I've just ordered one today, so I'll be moving out of the wardrobe soon. <laughs> Apparently, you get some free Yorkshire tea with that as well with your order. I'll do do you? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, good yeah. to know. Yeah. So we, so we, we're kind of doing a bit of that, but uh, we're also starting to because we did sort of, sort of one big episode every month, um, which we put every, you know, we put our all into, and it's you know, it's either like half an hour to an hour kind of top quality stuff and we're doing that still and we're also now kind of doing a few little bonus bits through the month because we'd like to you know be on like three times a month kind of thing i think there's more of a demand for it at the moment i think with everybody in lockdown um more people are gaming obviously kind of and especially with kids at the moment because you know they might spend a day learning even on the xbox or the playstation so that kids can learn on those as well and then they're thinking actually you know we'll carry on have a little bit of a you know, play on the PlayStation or the Xbox straight yeah. after. So we are seeing more people kind of getting into gaming, not just kids either. Yeah. The you know the older generation as well, which is which is good to see. Actually, we've had more requests, haven't we, for it? Huge amount of requests. We started doing giveaways as well, which has been fun. Yeah. Although we're giving away some of the stuff that we actually want. So yeah. Well, that's a bad idea, isn't it? Well, it clears out. Well, it clears clutter. Yeah. I no, suppose, no, but... because we want it. But you're you're currently balanced. Your the laptop is currently balanced on on the prize uh, on Mario Kart Five <laughs> Home Circuit. That's wow! So yeah. there's a plug. So listen, listen to the Naked Gaming podcast, and you could actually win what is underneath me. You now. literally Wait, can. <laughs> you actually can. I think it is. Yeah, but on top of that, you've got also the chessboard that we just bought. Oh yeah, we got a chess gambit. We got a chess set because of the Queen's Gambit. Um, which is have you seen the Netflix series where it's about the um, it's like a, a female chess player who starts off in a care home and it's, then it's, she gets taught by the janitor to play chess and then she goes on to be kind of a, a chess champion and she's amazing that's why everyone's buying chess boards now I so, see no I haven't I haven't uh, I haven't seen that yet that's oh, on Netflix oh, is it? Watch it it's really good it's a good one it's but really we good. but what we then did was uh, because me being the gamer geek I yeah. looked up artificial intelligence in chess oh, and yeah. and how good is AI basically can you improve your? Can you ever beat computers nowadays? Because that used to be a big thing. You know, yeah, years. until Deep Blue did it, wasn't it? Was yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the and exactly that. And now, um, in fact, our very next sort of bonus podcast is chess and AI. Um, and the latest one is called Alpha Zero, which was developed by the team who did Deep Blue. Um, and they are saying that you cannot, you just can't beat the computer now. A, a human grandmaster. Cannot beat the computer. We spoke to a grandmaster. We spoke to a, a, a Natasha Regan, a female, you know, woman international master at chess, and she she has followed the journey of AI through the ages, and it's just it's crazy. They play computers against each other now. <laughs> There's a chance then an actual grandmaster at chess could watch that to learn how to play better from the machine. That's have what you they listened do. to That's, our podcast? Have you heard you our know, what, the next one? Have you, you heard our podcast already? <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe I had a premonition. I don't know. It's Naked Gaming. It's from the husband and wife team of Chris Barrow and Lee Milner, and it's at number 17 this week on the Pod 20. At 16, life-changing from Radio 4, Jane Garvey talks to people who've lived through extraordinary events. The latest episode features a Coleman from South Wales called Keith Williams, who tracked down his birth mother, who told him his father is a Malaysian sultan. 15. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Highlights and extended interviews from The Daily Show from Comedy Central's podcast network. 14. Today in Focus from The Guardian. This podcast takes you behind the headlines for a deeper understanding of the news. At 13. James Bond A to Z. 
Tom Wheatley and Brendan Duffy are two of the presenters. Where does A to Z come into it? We're all massive Bond fans, but we're also, we're not experts on Bond. So every episode is basically us learning about Bond, really. We're not just discussing what we, you know, we're not watching a film and all discussing it. We're picking things from the whole, throughout the whole alphabet and we get given them at the start of the week and we go and research and we come back and go, it's amazing, you didn't know this about this person. So we're teaching each other as we go along. Um, and that A to Z structure just makes it great because you don't miss anything. It's not like you're just going for the things you're interested in. And sometimes um, the other Tom, he kind of pulls, pulls together these lists of people to cover and half the time I don't know who they are. And then we go into it and it's suddenly you actually, it turns into an hour long discussion about a product designer or something that that you didn't even a production designer that you didn't know about. So um, yeah, it, sh- it helps shape it quite a lot, and it it really means that you know it's it's a lot of learning and knowledge that's going along all the way. What's and your- it's uh, it's interesting because um, we we do spe- when we come to a film title we do a special, so we we deep dive into the whole title. And the first one we did was a view to a kill because right. that's the first one that comes up alphabetically. Right. Now if we were doing a normal Bond podcast, there's not a, a chance we would start with that. No. Oh. So we'd put that off for a year. <laughs> <laughs> and so it means you, you, you know you you're doing stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think. Oh, let's we must let's do this. But when you end up doing it, you you do learn things in in a different way, and it keeps it yeah. um, interesting. What's yeah. been your favourite thing that you've learned then? Oh, I think for deep. me, it's. Um, one of the things that I like about the podcast and the Bond series is not so much the obvious stuff like the, what happens in the films and you know the different Bond actors. It's I quite like the people who made it, and I didn't really know a lot about the people who made it before. So I think for me, the most interesting episode that we've done is the Cubby Broccoli episode, just because you know directors and producers are quite important to films, but you don't often know a lot about them and their story. And you look at somebody like Cubby Broccoli he's more important in many ways than the actors to how that whole series got made. He's fundamental to the whole series. So just going through and learning about him and his life was just phenomenally. And I learned so much from that, which, yeah, which is amazing because I've been obsessed with Bond for so long. I think we could have done a whole podcast on Cubby Broccoli. Really? That's that's interesting interesting a character. Because he he had another fellow with him and they fell out, didn't they, or something? There was two of them originally. Saltzman, yeah, Harry Saltzman. Saltzman. We've not got to him yet. Okay. No. All right. All right. Would he be on it? H or S? I don't know. I don't know. S. S. Salzman. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think one of the the most wonderful things about Broccoli buying the rights to the Fleming books is he ended up with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and the, the film was on a few weeks ago, and I ended up watching it and thinking like, only the James Bond people could make this, <laughs> you know, because it's got the tricked out car, it's got the special effects, it's got the big scenery, the big sets. It's yeah. it's on a it's, Bond yeah. scale, and it wouldn't work. It's, really if it wasn't so it was kind of lucky no. even though the, the chitty chitty bang made nothing like james bond but to make to, to do the justice to, to to make a great film it was great that they had the bond people making that oh yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of similarities between chitty bang bang and some of the other films you look at things like uh you only live twice and you've got those massive set pieces you've got little nelly and things like that there's a lot of similarities between bond and you know this massive kids film well goldfinger's in it isn't he <laughs> the Goldfinger, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probe, yeah. yeah, that's another thing we're learning as we're going through the crossover between people oh, working yeah. on it. is It's so it's so vast. Uh, yeah, we normally mention Chitty Bang Bang every episode. You do? Yeah. 
I think mm -hmm. I, I, quite a lot. I always liked it, and I did a bit on the radio years ago. I, I tried to claim that the song Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was the first successful rap song. And it caused a big <laughs> argument and a lot of phone calls because, you know, it is at least proto-rap. And also, Dick Van Dyke sounds like a, a rap artist. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway. James Bond, A to Z is at number 13 this week on the Pod 20. And coming up, I want to find out what you guys think of the actor that only played James Bond twice. Number 12 on the chart is Law. Dark historical tales of mysterious creatures, tragic events and unusual places that fill the pages of history because sometimes truth is more frightening than fiction. Number 11, The Lazarus Heist. From the BBC World Service, it was almost the perfect crime. The true story that begins in Hollywood and involves a hacking ring and an attempt to steal a billion dollars. Investigators blamed North Korea. At number 10, Monday Morning Podcast, Bill Burr rants about relationship advice, sport and the Illuminati. Number 9, Richie Firth. Travel Hacker. Richie, for many years, you were part of The Breakfast Show on Absolute Radio, and one day you almost got yourself arrested for painting Buckingham Palace. Ha! Well, that's interesting, because uh, I put that solely down to uh, to to Chris Skinner, who I, I host the Travel Hacker podcast with. Right. He was producing The Breakfast Show uh, on Absolute at the time, and it was at the time when uh, Buckingham Palace had said it was needing to go... Um, uh, through some extensive renovations, uh, and the breakfast show was was sponsored by uh, by Wix at the time. It still is. Um, it's a really long standing commercial partnership that absolutely have had. And Chris said, oh, "I'll be great if we uh, we send you down to the palace tomorrow." Uh, we we found that Wix had uh, in their their range uh, a paint that was called Majesty Red, and it, it was just perfect. <laughs> yes, so. I got dispatched to Buckingham Palace uh, with a tin of Majesty paint um, and some overalls. Uh, and as I was um, walking around the mall, uh, Chris said to me over the line, he said, why don't you just put the, uh, put the overalls on? It'll just, uh, it'll just look good. Um, you know, it goes, goes to full sort of appearance. I went, oh, I don't know. This is, it just feels weird enough. He goes, no, no, do it. So I put on these, these white all-in-one, you know, tradesman's coveralls and all that kind of thing. And there I am carrying around this piece of, this, this pot of paint all-in-one. And then suddenly... Four cop cars just screech out of nowhere, up the curb. They're out with the guns and they're like, what's going on? What are you doing? What are you intending to do? And uh, of course, I hadn't put two and two together. <laughs> it just felt weird. But it looked like I was about to, in some sort of like, you know, white outfit, just start chucking paint all over the palace. Yeah. Um, I explained uh, what was going on and um, it, it de-escalated gradually uh, but it was really frightening at the time um and uh, yeah i've got the uh, i've got the little stop and search docket to uh, to show for it great publicity for the breakfast show though yes secretly yes, you must was. have been thinking wow this is going to get us noticed now no 
<laughs> no, well, because it then. <laughs> you're very different to me. I was having guns pointed at me and having uh, cops pulled up around my neck. And uh, it, it didn't feel great. Yeah, post it, you're kind of thinking, oh, that was good. You know, that'll get talked about. But when you're in the middle of it, it wasn't much fun. Something that did get talked about, and I, and I saw it on the TV, was was the Red Bull soapbox thing, which you won. You won that, didn't you, with Christian? We did win that, and and that was hand on heart one of the greatest days of my life. I I absolutely love that. It was a great. It was a great thing to be part of, and it was about probably about wow, maybe maybe about four years ago now, but maybe even longer than that. But still gets talked about so much so many people will 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 tweet uh mainly thankfully due to the reruns on dave uh, yeah. and their repeats policy <laughs> and say so, i've just seen you win the red bull soapbox race it was an incredible day um and the closest that i will ever come to to feel like uh, a professional sportsman because i think there's about maybe about forty thousand people just all down the hills uh, from Alexandra Palace down the side of the course. And it was a great day weather-wise that day. And I mean, just to participate in it was amazing. But to actually go and win it was never the plan. Um, it was just just to even get to race day with the cart that we designed and the story on the show and all that kind of thing was great. But to actually go and win it was incredible. Yeah, just great. So, so 97, I met you and we worked together at 2CR on the breakfast show and then mm -hmm. i then i abandoned you and then <laughs> i returned in 2005 for a few years yeah. and then i abandoned you again yes and then you work with christian o'connell on the breakfast show on absolute and christian abandons you and goes to australia <laughs> it's it's me i've come to realize it <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a moment then like what happens now uh, yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was a huge surprise. Um, he's done all right, though, hasn't he? It, uh, he's he's done really well. He's yeah. done fantastically well. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a big surprise. But um, uh, yeah, absolutely stood stood by me, and um, they were great. And uh, uh, I think. I would I would have been hard to have predicted when when that change happened that that six months later we'd be starting um, starting a, a home time show together Bush and myself um, and that, that two and a half years later it's 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 going as well as it as it is so um, yeah out of out of quite a dramatic time having you know we'd we'd done that breakfast show together for ten years out of out of uh, a time that was like wow what's going to happen now. Um, uh, yeah, something something great's come. Yeah, it all worked out in the end, Rich. Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, is at number nine this week on the Pod 20. At eight, Values and Vibrators with Charlotte Crosby. From having her lady bits splashed all over international television to dealing with heartbreak in public, this is Queen Crosby at her best. Raw and unfiltered. Number seven, Freakonomics Radio. Discover the hidden side of everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. Number six, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. After 25 years at the late night desk, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So he started a podcast to fix that. Let's check in with my special guests, Tom Wheatley and Brendan Duffy from James Bond A to Z. 
When you think of forgotten James Bonds, you often think of George Lazenby. But what about Timothy Dalton? He only made two James Bond films. And he's not many people's favourite Bond. Why do you think that is? Wrong time, basically. If he'd he, he come in later, he would have been really good. He just wasn't in there at the right time and, and he wasn't used correctly. Yeah, yeah it's he, like, la- he laid the groundwork for Daniel Craig. He definitely did. It was a grittier Bond. It was closer to the book Bond, a a grittier kind of a thug character. And it was almost like they played it safe with Pierce Brosnan, if you excuse that, uh, Brendan, because he went back to some of the humour that Roger Moore had brought to it. So it was a safer bet at the box office. And he was already a big name from, what was that show? Was it Remington Steel? Is that the show he was in? Yeah. 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 So it was a safer bet. He actually got the role in 1986. He, He was Bond. Um, but then it all fell through because Remington Steel, you know, triggered a clause in their contract and got him back. So oh. Timothy Dalton was very much a bit of a panic uh, announcement. Right. Yeah. Where did he come from then? Because he seemed to come from nowhere. He was a big stage actor. And I think this, this is what you probably, he, this is where he comes in. And he was probably wasn't, wasn't right at the time because he was such a shift from Roger Moore. Roger Moore obviously... The, the, the comedian the, the joker the, the fun one whereas yeah. they shifted the tone so much to a Shakespearean actor with these kind of dark storylines mm. the world just wasn't ready for it and, and that's why um, Brosnan kind of came back because he, he sat in the middle of those so he, he was fine people could accept him but yeah Dalton he just, he just was, the world just wasn't ready for him yeah do you have a favourite James Bond fact each of you that you've discovered doing the podcast oh. James Bond A to Z I think mine is Casino Royale 2006 is the first time we see rain in a Bond film. Oh, that's top trivia. Really? It doesn't yeah. rain in any other Bond film? Not before 2006. I know, it sounds, it sounds preposterous, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you go. and you've got me like kind of going like, there's lots of nighttime yeah. scenes I can think of. In yeah, there's night and there's and snow. Stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. snow. Um... Mm. But rain, no! Wow! Because he he goes to exotic locations, doesn't he? In in the you know in the classic Bonds, he's yeah he's not flitting around in in rain. Yeah. So yeah. What about you, Tom? Do you have a, a stunning Bond fact that blows your mind? It's not as stunning as that. Um, but I think one of the <laughs> most interesting things that I found out was that um, uh, Money Penny. Yes. Um, across the whole of the series so all like 25 films or whatever she's only actually been on screen and actually this probably doesn't count the last couple of films because she's in those quite a bit but um, earlier on she was only in the whole of the series like less than an hour which is amazing when you think about it because that wasn't many days filming but for somebody who's so important to the series to just yeah just come in for a few days and do their bit yeah or yeah, even basically less one of the main characters yeah yeah, yeah. so what's the worst oh, Brenda Gore it's a view to a kill. We talk still about view to this a quite kill. a lot, Graham. What, that's a, that's worse do. than Octopussy. Octopussy and, and Moonraker are pretty bad. <sighs> there's th- there's they've, got, they've got redeeming features, though, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. There's the, there's redeeming features to both of those films, I think. And yeah, view to a kill. There's uh, uh, we're saying this now, but we haven't actually watched Octopussy or uh, Moonraker recently. Have you watched yeah. Moonraker recently, Brendan? Yes. So we could we, have you. We could change our tune slightly when we've got to Octopussy, but. Um, yeah, I think if you do a kill, there's just there's just 
far too much wrong with it. Um, it for so like there's it's not just the story's wrong, the fact he's too old. There's just so many things. If you watch that film, you sit in there, and there's whole like ten minute sections where you think, "Why is this here? Yeah, What's, why did they do this? Something is about that the, is that the one with Grace Jones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah who is, is who bad. is the best? Probably the best thing about it, her and Christopher Walken. <laughs> They're Christopher Walken is a great villain in it. You've got to give him yeah. that. Yeah. He is a yeah. great villain in it. Yeah. But Originally meant to be first... David Bowie. Was it? Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. But they spend the first 40 minutes talking about horses. Yeah. 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 And it has no relevance once they leave the horses. That's it. It's done. You think um, that... See, I still can't get over... For me, it's Moonraker because they go into bloody space in a space shuttle. Yeah, And then one of the bad henchmen has... Him and the girl with the pigtails, the Russian thing, it's just... Oh, I think the last great um, Roger Moore, James Bond, was Spy Who Loved Me, which is nothing like the book, but it's actually, I think, quite a good film. It's Thunderball yeah. again, but except with submarines instead of um, space <laughs> capsules being captured. But still, yeah. it's Thunderball again. Yeah. But... Um, I think that is a great, actually, a good James Bond film, Spy Who Loved Me, and the submarine car. Oh, yeah. Wow, you know the Lotus. Yeah, it's good. Well, it's it's a sim. It's it's almost like the um, Moonraker is like a continuation of Spy Who Loved Me, isn't it? And they just go too far. They yes. Back again to take it to, they go. We've mm. gone underwater. Let's go to space now. Yeah. Way too far. Tom Wheatley and Brendan Duffy from James Bond A to Z. This is the Pod 20, the definitive countdown of the top 20 podcasts right now, and we've made it into the top five. At number five, obsessed with, we're obsessed with Line of Duty. Celebrity superfans take turns saying how rubbish the last episode of Line of Duty was. Number four, Michael Spicer's It Happened to Me. Stories of life-changing events experienced by real people. Except every guest is made up and played by Michael Spicer, the room next door man. At number three, The Bomb, presented by Emily Strasser. It's the story of the first atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Emily, in the podcast, you talk about one of the fathers of nuclear weapons, Leo Salard who until your podcast is a bloke I'd never heard of. He was a Hungarian refugee in America. That's right. But he was a yeah. scientist. Tell me about him then. Yeah, so he was a Hungarian Jewish refugee, um, grew up in Budapest, moved to Berlin, and then fled, moved to Berlin after World War One, and then fled Berlin, obviously with the rise of the Nazis, um, and was in London for a short while before, or for several years actually, before he came to the U.S., um, so he's kind of this tragic figure. He, or I kind of understand him this way because he's the guy who basically comes up with the nuclear chain reaction that makes the bomb possible. And then why is it we've not, why is he not better known for that? I it's know, all I Oppenheimer and Einstein, and but not him. Yeah, you know, and and he's actually the guy. So we know Einstein because he wrote the letter to Roosevelt that basically started the. Um, Manhattan Project. Yeah. But actually, the reason he wrote that letter, and he didn't even write it, Leo Szilard wrote the letter and went to Einstein. He was a friend. And he said, look, this is a huge threat. This is how it could work. And Einstein, who had been previously unconvinced that an atomic bomb could work, was convinced by Leo Szilard and signed that letter. 
that went to Roosevelt. So Szilard is instrumental, both sort of scientifically and politically, in making this thing happen. Yeah. But he he was trying to stop it, wasn't he? Yeah. So Right. So later on, I mean, his fear was, like all the scientists, like I said, was that the Nazis would, would get the bomb. But later yeah. on, increasingly, I think he was distressed by the way the military was controlling the bomb decisions were being taken out of the hands of scientists this not his control right he wanted to have a measure of control over how it would be used and after germany surrenders um he gets very worried about the precedent this sets the possibility of an arms race he thinks it's morally unjustifiable to drop this bomb on hiroshima and so he um he tries to stop it in a variety of different ways. He tries to reach the president. He tries to reach top military leadership. And eventually, in sort of a last-ditch effort, he circulates a petition among some of the top scientists and gathers. There's different versions of the petition. So something between 70 and 150 signatures um, opposing the use of the bomb. Yeah. Do you think he's been written out of history because of his point of view on that? You know... It's interesting because that petition was actually classified until 1961, which I find fascinating because it doesn't have any, you know, secret scientific information. It doesn't tell someone how to make a nuclear bomb. And it kind of aligns with a lot of the period right after the war. There was a lot of, you know, firsthand accounts of the effects of the bombing, some of the first film footage was classified. And, you know, there was this concerted effort to control the narrative around the bomb, to justify the bombing, and maybe more importantly, to justify the continued use uh, and or the continued creation of nuclear weapons as we go into the Cold War, right? And so this is a speculation. I don't know exactly why that petition was classified, um, but I imagine it doesn't fit into the narrative to have all these scientists who are opposing the use, right? Hmm. They want it to be this heroic war effort. Yeah, because you mentioned how the government were keeping tabs on him. There's a there's a part in the podcast where you talk about him having breakfast. He goes for breakfast every day. He's in was he in Chicago at the time? Um, he was he was in Chicago for a large part. But you, yeah, you talk about a, a, there was a time when he he was he would go to breakfast at a, at a certain diner every day. But he was surrounded by FBI guys. Yeah, right. Just, to, to um, just take yeah. us through that. Yeah, by military intelligence. So he just, he wasn't particularly liked by the top leadership because he was always kind of trying to overstep his, they, the military leadership and Leslie Groves, who was the, the general who headed up the Manhattan Project um, in particular, wanted the scientists to sort of stay in their lane. They They wanted them to be completely separate from political military decisions about how the bomb was going to be used. And so um, compartmentalization, which was this policy of secrecy that meant, you know, people only needed to know the amount they needed to know also served to suppress any kind of dissent, you know, um, to set a standard for how um, how scientists were to engage, which was on the political level, not at all. And Szilard didn't like that, you know, and so he's always kind of pushing the envelope and <laughs> people off. And so um, they saw him as a threat, you know, so they so they did kind of have him tailed. And there were times when he was um, almost pushed out of the project entirely, but managed to keep his way 
in there. It's an amazing story. It's The Bomb, presented by Emily Strasser, and it's at number three this week on the Pod 20. At two, Shagged Married Annoyed, the only way Rosie and Chris Ramsey can have a conversation without being interrupted by a toddler or ending up staring at their phones is by doing a podcast. And at number one... British Scandal from Wondery. The latest episode is about the Litvinenko affair, the polonium trial. That's it for episode 54 of the Pod 20. Thanks to this week's guest pod stars, Tom Wheatley, Brendan Duffy, Chris Barrow, Lee Milner, Richie Firth and Emily Strasser. Next week's guests include Paul Barros from the Humorology podcast. Paul, you're a psychologist, a writer, TV personality, musician, comedian, keynote speaker. Why did you decide to add a podcast to all of that? It's a passion project, is, is the truth of the matter. Um, I've always been obsessed by humour. I've always been obsessed by the power of humour to build relationships, if you like, to drive performance in anything, and, and just to make the world a brighter, better place. But it's, it's really about getting to the essence of how do we break down those barriers um, so that you can make teams more engaged. And I, I was commissioned to write a book on humorology. And I thought, well, I should interview some of the people I admire most and find out, because in psychology, what we do is we model people who do things really well. So if I want to learn how to do radio really well, I will um, invite you out for a drink, Graham, and I will just talk to you about the attitude. No, seriously, because I will unpack what you're doing. Because as a psychologist, what I get to do is I get to go well, what are you doing? And what I'm doing in the Humorology podcast is I'm unpacking great people, people who've reached the top of their tree. You know, I mean, people are giving me time, unbelievably, sort of uh, billionaires. David McCourt, um, who wrote the book uh, Total, Total um, Rethink, Total Rethink, brilliant book, Um he uh, gave me an hour of his time. Now, an hour of his time when you're a multi, multi, multi billionaire is worth a lot. Yeah. But you know what? He said exactly the same things as everybody else I know who's successful. If you don't have a sense of humor, don't do it. It's not worth it. And you're also going to fail because what a sense of humor gives you is gives you that uh, ability to deal with the stress and the adversity that's going to happen. And if you've established a sense of humor, when the adversity comes, you will be able to cope with it. And also if you engender a culture whereby everybody, uh, is allowed to have fun, to, to relax. Well, well, that's what's going to actually keep everything stable in your company. And, and by the way, bad things are going to happen. They, this is just the way it goes. Um, so if you want to use the ultimate bonding tool, the ultimate change tool, 
learn the lightness of touch. But what humorology is about is not just about, can I tell more gags in the workplace? It, it's really about how do I get the lightness of touch? How do I find that balance between gravity and levity? Business is important. But is it so important that we just have to be serious about it? You know, um, humor automatically gives people all kinds of things like people who are humorous appear confident. They're brave. Yeah, They're because you have, you, when, you, when you're when you being funny, you are quite vulnerable because the, the joke mightn't land. I say joke, but it might be, it, it, you know, it might be something a bit more, more subtle than that. So you are actually, you are showing a vulnerability, aren't you, with humour too? Yeah, which, which can be endearing. You can say, "Well, if they're going to put themselves out, they must be okay." There's, there's an implied confidence there from somebody doing that. And you said something very interesting. It is confidence, but they have put themselves out. They have gone that extra mile. It's a risk, and also, it's a risk. But it's a risk that is from somebody who is mentally agile, because that's people who uh, do humour. I've never met a stupid comedian. Yeah. Because in order to do the math, if you like, in your head, to go from serious to comedy, you have to compute a lot of different ways around that. So it's understanding that humour helps us build bridges and, and, and make connections with others. It helps us, as you said, the word develop trust. You know, which is key to sort of every aspect of personal and team effectiveness and and great for making people feel included as well. Yeah, it's Paul Barros. He'll be back next week on the Pod 20. And if you'd like to watch extended videos with my guests, including Paul Barros, check them out on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And what will happen on the podcast radio chart next week? Will British scandals still be at the top of the chart? Will your favourite podcast be at number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, and influence the chart. Make a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. Faith in the news media has been challenged making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more.